there, everyone. Welcome back to Streets and Eats. This is episode 60, and we're going to be talking about some awesome day trips that you can take from Tokyo. Welcome to Streets and Eats, the travel and food podcast dedicated to taking our listeners to the sights, sounds, and flavors of fascinating places near and far, both on and off the beaten path. We're Jim and Corinne Vale, and we've been traveling internationally and domestically together for decades, visiting more than 90 countries in all 50 states in the USA. We'll share all of the local knowledge and food expertise we've gathered through years of living as expats in Asia and Europe, as well as traveling with families spanning multiple generations around the world. Join us each week for a new adventure. I have a fear of mosquitoes here in Vietnam because they carry dang fever. Not all of them, of course, but they do carry dang fever. And we're not vaccinated against it because the vaccination is not available in the U.S. yet. I mean, I guess we could try and get one here. We haven't really looked into that yet. Every time I've looked into the vaccine, it's like really conflicting information, whether or not it's like a specific vaccine for different regions or whether it's even available. Like when we were leaving the States, before we left, we wanted to see if we could get the dang vaccine, right? So I called a place and they said, yeah, we have the vaccine. But then when you start looking into it, like, no, we don't really have it. You've got to order it and it costs an arm and a leg. And is it really even available yet? Or are they just like pre-planning? So if you're curious about getting the dang fever vaccine. If you find out anything, let us know. Yeah. Anyway. It is a thing here and it, it is a thing here in the area where you live in the district we live, uh, which is prone to flooding, even though our, luckily our place doesn't flood very much, if at all. No, but we do have mosquitoes. But we do have mosquitoes and they do spray the area and the halls and the grounds around it. Uh, so it's not like there's mosquitoes teeming everywhere. Yeah, they're not that. I mean, when we go outside, if we're, we know we're going to be outside for a while, we'll definitely put on mosquito repellent, especially in the evenings when they're the worst. During the day, they're not so bad. But at night, and this is what happened last night, I can hear that little scream that they make. Yeah. And it wakes me up. I mean, I'm that in tune to it. I mean, a mosquito screaming. So in turn, I basically scream going, ah! <laughs> Which wakes me up. There's a mosquito in the house and I don't want to get bit. I have been bit here and knock on wood, I haven't gotten dang fever, but I don't want to push my luck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and like we said, the amount of mosquitoes here, it's not like they're teeming with mosquitoes. It's not like Alaska, for instance. Oh boy. But you get that one in the room late at night and it's going to drive you crazy. crazy. Which it did. I don't know if we ever even killed it or if it finally just fed on us and left us alone. Well, we did get up and spray a little we bit did, too. Yeah. I don't know. At any rate, it interrupted our sleep. So if we sound a little bit garbled today. That's why. It's because of the mosquito bites. But, you know, I can count the number of mosquito bites I've had since we've been here, which is what, four or five months. Yeah, because we've taken precaution. And like you said, there's not that many. Anyway, enough about mosquitoes. In... Japan, we never really had a mosquito issue. No. Ever. I can't remember that being something to worry about. No, definitely not. They had other bugs. Yeah. Some well, weird they have ones. some scary bugs. Oh. Do you remember that bug that we had outside of our apartment that you showed me actually? 
And it was like this. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know what kind of mug that was. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen in my life. I can remember a couple of them outside. One was just a moth that was really good at mimicking the colors around it. So it was like sitting on some mottled stones and you couldn't even see it because it just looked like the stones. But another one was like a really scary millipede type thing. Well, the one I'm thinking of looked like a crab, but it was a bug. Oh yeah. Some kind it was of the strangest thing. Scary beetle. Ooh. Yeah, there I guess it was a beetle. Ones. The spiders I really loved. The hunter spiders, I think they were, that were like massive. We walked into this one apartment. Do you remember that? We, yeah. We're looking at apartments. We walked into this one and there's this huge. Huge. And when we say huge, we're talking gigantic. Probably, I would say the leg span, what, five inches? Oh gosh, even more. At least. It seemed like more. Maybe it wasn't it was more, but probably, it was flipping but... huge. And all I remember is, oh my gosh. And then of course it moved faster than it lightning. So fast. I couldn't and the realtor it. says, oh, that's good luck. It's going to eat all the bugs. And we're like, no, thank you. No, Let's thank you. move on. <laughs> and then we end up having a hunter spider in our house, which actually we weren't as scared by then, but that's yeah. beside the point. Geckos I can live with, but... Spiders are hard to have in your house yeah. to live with. Anyway, on to day trips from Tokyo. We love Tokyo. You know, here's the problem. Here's the paradox with Tokyo. Yeah. Tokyo has so much to do that you can't possibly do everything in two weeks or three weeks or even a month. You just can't. So then if you want to get outside of Tokyo, which by the way, you want to get outside of Tokyo, that means you've got to cut into your Tokyo days. So we're here to tell you about some of the places that we really love, like really love and are worth a trip outside of Tokyo. Yeah. So we've got a pretty good list. We'll definitely go with our top five. And then with whatever time we have left over, we can talk about the others. But you can visit the article. The article will have everything that we want to talk about. Yeah. And like you said, it's hard to plan a trip to Japan. Luckily, we live there, so we could go do different things. But if you're planning a two-week trip to Japan, yeah, you could easily fill up your time in Tokyo. Or if you wanted to, you could do like half in Tokyo and half in the Osaka area or Kyoto. Well, we're not even talking about like the big sites all around Japan because there are plenty. Yeah, and if, but if you do that, you're really just seeing the big cities of Japan and yeah, there's, they're, they're amazing. great and there's a lot to do there and you're going to get all the food and you're going to see shrines and all the cool stuff. But getting out of the big cities, I really think is what Japan is all about. That's where you really see the really cool stuff. In saying that, let's start. Are we going to rank them? We don't need to rank no, them. The, I don't believe in, well, I mean, I think we do kind of rank them just because I think it comes across how much we like each place. And that in essence is a ranking of sorts. So when you're looking at taking a day tour from Tokyo, you have a couple of options. Number one, if you've got your own car or if you've got a rental car, that's a great way to do it because I mean, you can drive right to it. You do have to worry about paying tolls and and you might have to pay for parking and parking. It gives you so much freedom, but you have the freedom. Uh, It's going to be a little bit more. I think it's, probably the most expensive of the options short of like hiring a driver in a car. That would be right. more expensive. 
And, uh, but there's no reason to do that in Japan, no, in no, our no. opinion. No. If you're going to do that, you might as well rent a car and drive yourself. It's really, really easy. Just make sure you have an international driver's license before you get there. Um, so that's m- one option. Which we messed up on our last trip. We did not take our international driver's license with us. And so we ended up, when we were on our last Tokyo trip, we did not um, rent a car and go somewhere. And we've done it before. We've done all these places numerous times. So it's not like... We needed to go out, but it was kind of like a bummer on the one hand because we couldn't rent a car. <laughs> yeah, I sure would have liked to have gone out yeah. and had that ninja tempura. Right? <laughs> yeah, that was too bad. So the car is one, I think, a really good option, especially for a small family or if the kids are older to where you have to pay for all of their transportation mm. uh, for people. That's kind yeah, of the magic then it's, number. It, yeah, then it's definitely becoming much more financially. Right. Now, you can also get almost everywhere in Tokyo. Sorry. From Tokyo. You can get almost everywhere in Japan from Tokyo with a combination of train and bus. Well, you can get everywhere with a combination of train and bus. It's just going to take you longer. Yeah, it's going to take some time. And they're not always as cheap as you would expect. No. And especially, yeah, especially when you start putting in the train price. Now, if you've got a... JR pass. Mm. The train obviously is going to be what you look at first, I think. Um, But the thing with the train and the bus, it's going to get you pretty close to where you need to go, but it's not going to get you that last mile or whatever. Um, Like if you took the train and the bus to go to Fuji, for instance, it takes you right there to station five. Does this? Yes, it does. That was not a good example. Scratch that. (laughs) No, you can get I with as a combination train and bus. You can, I think you can get just about anywhere. Occasionally you might have to do a little walking, but for the most part it will work. The problem is it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the more stops, the more changes, it just becomes that more tedious, especially if you're hauling kids with you. That's right. And then you have to worry about, you know, when does the last bus run? Exactly. On a day trip, you're trying to get back to Tokyo in the evening. Or is it going to be so crowded you're going to be standing for an hour? I mean, that's no fun. I don't know about you guys, but I don't like standing that long. No, but it is a good option. That's a good way to do it. Um, Another one to think about that actually can be maybe the best option. Well, it could be cost effective as well as just plain easy. Right. Is a taking a tour, they have tours to pretty much everywhere from Tokyo. Do you remember the last time we were in Tokyo, we were walking around the Tokyo station area and we were walking out to one of the restaurants and we walked down this one street Mm -hmm. that was basically the day tour departure area. And there was like bus stop after bus stop after bus stop of all these different tour Tour bus is the same company um, going everywhere in Japan. But a lot of the tour companies will even, I mean, they're so convenient. They'll even pick you up at your hotel. So the thing about taking a tour, which we highly suggest if you're, if you're limited on time, especially is that it's so simple. You know, you're not going to miss anything. They're going to take you to the parts that you should see. And you're going to get to the fifth station of Mount Fuji and they're going to tell you about the the shrine and they're going to tell you about the history and that kind of stuff. Um, maybe even what to eat, what the, you know, the famous little Fuji cake of the day is or whatever. But of course, you're always, you know, com- battling that with how much time you get at each place. That's right. You really have to, when you're planning for day trips out of Tokyo, look at your time 
versus the financial cost, I think, for all of the three options. Yeah. I prefer to spend the money to rent a car, pay for the tolls, pay for parking, and just be on my own because I can leave at six o'clock in the morning and I can get back at eight o'clock at night and I can still do everything I wanted to do kind of thing as opposed to, I mean, you can do that with the tour too, but you don't really get the idea of when to stop or where to eat or, you know, yeah. stopping at an on a foot on send things no, like no. that. You're going to do everything that the tour is doing and that's what you're going to do. Now, if it takes you to one area and you have two hours in that area to go eat or explore, then yeah, you got your own time, but that's, that's hard to deal with. And it's a little bit different. The other thing with tours are you have to be careful because some of those tours are really large. Like you might have 40 people on that mm, tour that's uh, true. and then you're with a lot of people and it kind of maybe restricts your access to things. Now, I mean, those are a lot of cons, but the, the pros of tours are pretty significant. It can be a real cost saving. It can be a real time saver. Um, and it just makes it super easy. easy to go to some of these places that could be pretty challenging. I think Fuji too, unless you're renting a car or taking a tour, it is one of those places. It's one of those. And some places are just easier to get to than others. I think one of the most iconic places that you are going to want to visit because it's all you ever hear about is Mount Fuji. Now, Mount Fuji, again, is someplace that you could go. You can go for a day and you can do quite a bit in a day or you can go for a week. Yeah. <laughs> you can still pretty much use up that week because there's plenty of stuff to do to see in the Fuji area. Yeah, especially if you're a hiker you're going to want to get out and climb Mount Fuji, right? And that's going to easily take two days because it's an overnight hike. It, it, is it, it always have overnight? to be an overnight hike, does it? See, that's a question we always had. We did it overnight and I despised it. <laughs> I really loved it. It was one of the, the mm. best hikes I've done. I've done. I was not happy. No, but you got kind of pushed into a weird situation with the other hikers and that wasn't that great. But you're also not a big mountain climber. I'm not climber, a night person. And you're not a night person. So staying awake at night is really hard for you. And whereas I'm a night person, I love hiking through the night. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think if you're a night person, if you're good at staying up until midnight, one o'clock in the morning, as a general rule anyway, then it's a great way to do it because you're not going to get too hot maybe. Yeah. But I, I've never been at midnight, one o'clock in the morning person. I'm a go to bed at nine o'clock in the night person. And I always have been Jim and I've been married now. That's true. 38 years, 38 years. Jim, when do you remember me staying up past 10 o'clock no. in the last 38 years? Even like new year's eves. It's, it's a pretty rare new year's eve that, that we're both up till midnight or past midnight. No, it happens, but it's more so you, you're more of a night person. And especially in our younger days, you were more of a night person. Always. I never was never, 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 never. I can usually get a really good second leg. But in the it, now in saying that there are some parts that I loved about climbing Mount Fuji. When you first start out, you're excited. Of course, there's tons of people there because the climbing season's only the month of July and the month of August. Um, so there's 
there's always, it's always crowded, which is one of the things I didn't care for climbing up the mountain because it's a small path. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the path is in some of this gravel that kind of sinks in as you step into it. And yet you've got these people, like Jim said, these hikers behind you and they're kind of pushing you because, I mean, they're fit. They're excited to get to the top. I mean, I don't know what their plan is. Maybe they're going (laughs) to, I don't know what there is to do to get there that fast. But I felt, I felt what is it? Pushed. Pushed. And, and I just didn't like that feeling at all. Um, but what I did love is I love the walking sticks. And I loved all the little stations as you go up the mountain that are lit up. And it's like a beacon because you're tired and it's a place to sit and you can get a drink or a snack or whatever. And then they take their... Um, wood burning tool and they, 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 you pay them, I don't know how much it is, a couple hundred yen and they stamp their station into the walking stick. And then you have this really flipping amazing souvenir at the end of it. That's probably one of the oldest souvenirs that we still have. We carry around. Well, we don't carry it around with us, but (laughs) it's not with us in Vietnam. It's in our storage shed, of course. Yeah. It's really cool. And it is a short climbing season. So if you're looking at going to Tokyo out of that time frame, you may be thinking, well, uh, what's the point in going to Fuji? Mount oh, no. Fuji. It's always can, worth it. You can see Mount Fuji from a couple of different places yeah, so in many Tokyo, different places, yeah. but it's really far away. Uh, and you do want to get out there, whether you are going to hike or not, doesn't really matter. But part of the trip to Mount Fuji should include at least going up to the fifth station. That's where the hiking starts from. There's a really cool museum and visitor center there. There's Uh, a few little buildings there. There's shops. There's some places to eat. There's, of course, you know, the Japanese are the best at theming things. So they have their little Mount Fuji cakes and cookies and candies and what have you. And and um, there's a beautiful temple up there. The shrine's really cool. The shrine. and. Oh, it's just a lovely place to go. It really is a cool place to walk around, especially in the, in the fall, fall when you have the fall colors out. I, I really think a trip to Mount Fuji in the fall is, is Stunning. the best time to go. If you're going to climb, of course, you have to go in the summer. But other than that, the fall coloring around uh, Kawaguchiko, the lake that's at the base of Mount Fuji, uh, are just stunning. And the views of Mount Fuji from that area are like the perfect place to view it. And of course on the weekend, everybody goes there because the Japanese love local tourists love it there as much as we do. But we, you know, Jim and I used to go to Mount Fuji area. I would say a couple of times a year because it's just such a beautiful area. Um, Like you can go to the Toredo Pagoda and that is a shrine that in and of itself is beautiful, but one of the iconic shots that you probably have seen if you've done any um, Googling at all about the area is the red Tory gate and in framed in the red Tory gate is the mountain of Mount Fuji. I mean, it is just stunning. It really is. And if you go during the spring, the cherry blossoms are out. So you get the red Fuji gate, you get the pink cherry blossoms, you get, you can get a shot with the pagoda, like on the side and then Mount Fuji in the background and cherry blossoms. And it's just really beautiful. And Kawaguchiko is just a beautiful place in and of itself. It's got a nice little town. It's got great eateries. There's a little cheesecake quote unquote factory Mm -hmm. there that has the best cheesecakes. Um, And we stopped there regardless. I mean, we have eaten in in the place too and had coffee with their cheesecake, but 
Sure. Even if we're not planning on stopping, we stop and get one to go because that is such good cheesecake. Well, one of my favorite restaurants there is the mm. restaurant, the tempura restaurant Ninja, which ninjas aren't really a huge theme of the restaurant. Yeah, it's know. just their name. <laughs> but the tempura is so good. Well, what I like about this tempura restaurant, and you know, it's so funny, isn't it? When you go back to a place over and over again, you find a quote unquote restaurant and, st- and we're so guilty of that. We find something we like and we don't, we know it's there and like, we're looking forward to going there. So we don't want to try something else. Yeah. It's such a conundrum, but at the same time, this restaurant is well worth it. It's in downtown Kawaguchiko, Kawaguchi. Anyway, guess, it's in yeah. downtown. It's not really where you see Mount Fuji at all. But what's nice about it is they have sets. Of course, every time you go to a temporary restaurant, they have sets. But also on the menu, they have where you can order either more of some item or if it's not an item that was offered on any of the set or your set, you can order it. So, for example, you can order more eggplant or you can order more um, yam or you can order more shrimp shrimp, or more fish or whatever it is that you want. Shisho leaves. I mean, it's just it, to me that made it it makes it that much better because there's always those few pieces of tempura that you like better than the others. It's all good. Tempura is delicious. Yeah. But you know, I don't just want one mushroom. I want two mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or, or you could just do that. You could build your set right. on those individual items, which is what I really like about it. And, you know, I'm not a huge tempura fan. It's not like I don't, I don't think of going out for tempura when I'm thinking of going out for Japanese food. But when we go to Pound Fuji, we always I go to tempura. always go there. And I... <laughs> And I want to go there. That's how good it is. Like we've gone there because let's go get tempura in the Mount Fuji area. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the benefit of living somewhere in the region, right? Absolutely. We've done that for a couple of different places. Uh, other things to do there, especially if you have kids, uh, the mm-hmm. Fuji Q Highland Amusement Park area is there, which is really, I would say, a world-class amusement park with roller coasters and everything else. It also has a Thomas the Train Thomas land for little kids and just a couple of other like themed areas. Which really people cool. have gone to. We have not, we didn't have little kids while we were there. So yeah, we had no reason to go, but um, the people that we know who have been really had a good time. Okay. So, well, we've talked about different ways to get around to the day trips for Mount Fuji. If you're not going to rent a car, really the best way to do it is to take a day tour from one of the companies and you can get that arranged at your hotel. You can do it online before you leave. You can use one of our, uh, one of our links to help you get there and that'll help us fund our podcast, which is always nice. Another place that we think is a must day trip out of Tokyo is Kamakura. It's about an hour and a half on the train and we know Kamakura inside and out because we lived in Kamakura for two years and we were downtown basically and were able to walk around the area and take buses around everywhere and see things um, all the time. And we loved it. I mean, we've been to the shrine there. I, I don't know how many times, plenty of times we've been to um, the bamboo forest there. I don't know more times than I can count on one hand. I'll tell you that. Every time we have a visitor. Yeah. Well, it's just such a cool place to sit and drink a, a tea a tea with the bamboo clicking in the wind. Yeah. It's really beautiful. 
they've got surfers there in the summer. Um, the summer too, they have like in the evening, they have down on the beach, they have all these little restaurants that pop up They're they're pop up restaurants because they're not there all year long. They're only there during the summer season. Um, and that's a cool place to hang out at night. Um, it's just a really beautiful little city. There is an ordinance for Kamakura. It's the old capital right. of, uh, Tokyo, of Japan. And so there's an ordinance that it still is supposed to be retaining that old world charm and it does a pretty good job of it. And so part of the ordinance is that you cannot have buildings, I think higher than three, it's either three three or or five floors. Unless it's a city building or something. So you don't have like the big resorts or anything like that. The hotels that are there are really small or I think the biggest ones are down Right along the stretch of the beach. So they're looking out over the beach and they have really good beach access. But even those are, I think, pretty small hotels. We're talking talking like 30 or 40 rooms max. Uh, So nothing huge. And so it gets that, it does keep that really small town charm, which I I really find you don't get a lot of uh, in the Tokyo area, especially. So being able to get to that in an hour and a half, two hours or whatever, that's really cool. Because it was the old capital, it's got some of the oldest temples and shrines in the area. So it's a great place to go for doing your shrines and your temples. I really love the the big Buddha where you can walk in and it's only a couple hundred yen. You go in, it's beautiful grounds, of course, well, well manicured garden areas, a gigantic sitting Buddha. Uh, because and, you can walk inside him and you can um, touch the inside of his belly, which is supposed to bring good luck. And you can see where everyone's left little uh, yen pieces as offerings in different crevices. It's just very cool. The whole place is very cool. And that's another place we've been. I don't know. I mean, if we've been 20 times, we've been 40. I mean, we have just been so many times. It's ridiculous. Well, like most things in Japan, you go at different times of the year, different seasons of the year, and it's going to look completely different. Well, and it's also uh, all of Kamakura is busy on the weekends. All of Japan is busy on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of nice to be able to do some of that stuff during the weekdays when, um, if you have the opportunity to do that, because you will, there will be fewer people and, That's just always nicer for your photos and for your ambiance. So right downtown, the that one thing about Kamakura that really puts it high on our list for visiting is that it is the train stations right downtown. And it's so simple to get around. Almost everything you want to see is within walking distance. Almost, not quite. There are a couple of things like the Big Buddha and the Bamboo Forest that you might want to take buses to or a taxi to um, because they're a little bit further out. But they're well worth going to. And they're very easy. And we describe how to get there on our website. Um they're easy, 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 easy. And plus everybody knows what are the popular sites and the best way to get there. So they will tell you at the train station, they'll even walk you to where the line is to line up to go in there. It's that simple. And right behind the train station is a good walking area with tons of restaurants and tons of things to eat and souvenir shops. 
Yeah, the Kamachi Walking Street. Kamachi Walking Street. It's a pedestrian-only zone. It goes on either side of the train station, so heading north or heading south. Um, but to get to the south end, you have to walk under the tracks and then keep walking. Um, but what I really like about it is this is where you're going to go for all of your street food. The problem is you can't eat street food. and It's hard. So you have to get it and you have to stand right in the area where it's served. You can't go wandering around with your street food. Uh, you have to basically you eat it right where you buy it. And then you have to dispose of your trash right there too. I think we've talked about dealing with trash in Japan before. It could be a challenge, mm-hmm. a real challenge. And you don't want a sticky stick. No, you don't. To carry around with you. But what I really like about the walking street is, and one of the reasons why we do it so often or so many different times is because it changes, which is good and bad. Like that favorite uh, takoyaki stand that you had on the street, one visit might be gone the next and in its place might be a, a mochi stand. So you get to try different things throughout the year if you go at different times, but you might end up not being able to go back to your favorite things. Not all of them are like that, but there's definitely a few that every time I walk down the street, there's a new one prepping to open or a new one is open or one that's closed. I like that. I like the changing nature of it. It's really cool. It does have, just like other kind of tourist places, you'll see two things that are real touristy. They'll have the people who are pulling the rickshaws. They do have that. Um, You can do that. And you can also rent kimono. Which you, especially if it's during cherry season time or lotus season time, because in June, um, the lake at the shrine is filled with Mm, amazing lotus flowers. I mean, it's filled. You can't even see the water. There's so many lotus flowers in there. The main temple and shrine complex uh, at the end of the walking street and also at the end of the main street is the Tsurugaoko Hachimangu. And that's a fantastic place to go during New Year's or during different times of the years when there's festivals. But even if you don't go during those times, like you mentioned, the lotus flowers are beautiful on the lake. Cherry blossoms in the spring, of course. Uh, There's almost always some type of street food set up in the grounds there. It's just a great place to to go wander around. It's very serene. And even though there might be thousands and thousands of people visiting Kamakura on any given day, it's very easy to get into the temple complex in the shrine area and find quiet corners where you're just sitting by yourself and you can really get in tune with it. I love that. Kamakura is a beautiful city. It's definitely one to put on your list. And you can even take the green car all the way from Tokyo. So it's very, very comfortable. You don't have to worry about jostling on the, in the back cars. And it doesn't cost that much more to take the green car. Along with Kamakura, but it's a separate day trip. Um, you could either do it out of Kamakura or you can do it completely on its own. It's called Enoshima. And Inoshima is this quirky little island right on the bay of Tokyo that has what they call the sea candle. And it's just, I mean, the whole island is just a great little fun day trip that shouldn't be missed. The sea candle is kind of like a modern concept lighthouse, I think. Or like Space Needle in Seattle. So it looks like this, looks a lot like the Space Needle. It's of course got an upper observatory where you can 
get a drink or a snack. Uh, but really you're going there, yes, to go up the, the sea candle, but there's also beautiful gardens all around it. And that whole little island mm. uh, is just a great place to get out and explore. There's really old like seafood shops. Yeah, and- the town itself as you're climbing up the mountain to the shrine, that whole area is full of just really, like Jim said, cute little shops, places that you want to hang out in and take pictures of because it's so old timey Japanese looking. Yeah. My favorite thing there is the the seafood crackers. The octopus crack. Yeah. Where they take, I don't know how, how, how they've they come up it. with this technique, but it's basically a very thin rice cracker uh, where they put the batter into this press with octopus. an octopus. It's already cooked, of course. And then they close it and press it really tight. So it squeezes it's everything down thin. to this big, like what, 12 inch by 12 inch wafer with an octopus squished out in the middle of it. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool to look and at. it's tasty too. And it's tasty too. That's right. The other thing to do in Enoshima is, of course, the aquarium. They've got a really great aquarium with displays uh, covering all of the sea life in the Tokyo Bay and uh, and surrounding that side of Japan. Uh, So that's really cool. They've got one of the biggest single habitat aquariums I think I've ever seen just teeming with fish and rays and all that, all that cool stuff. You could just sit there and watch those things for hours, hours. I love that. Uh, A dolphin show. It's kind of questionable on whether we should still be having dolphin shows in this day and age, Uh, but kids love them. Kids love them. And I got to say the dolphins do seem pretty well taken care of and pretty happy. So, so basically for Enoshima, you take the train out there. Um, There is walking involved. There's lots of walking. And a lot of the walk is going up to the shrine at the top of the mountain on Enoshima Island and then walking down into the sea candle. And then you can take a elevator up into the sea candle and all around the gardens, like Jim said, and then through the town. But I still think you could probably do all of Enoshima without the aquarium. If you add the aquarium, add, you know, the appropriate amount of time there, two hours, mm-hmm. three hours, whatever. Um, but for the island itself, I think I think three hours, three hours max would be plenty. And that's including lunch and a nice walk. And if you go at sunset, I mean, it's westward facing. So the sunsets are spectacular yeah. if you're on the right side of the island, of course, but you would be. If that's what you're there for. Well, the other thing that people do there is surfing. It's a big surf town. And that is definitely one place that I know in Japan where you can take surfing lessons. Mm. So if you want to surf in Japan, you can go there. You don't have a board. You can go rent a board there. Uh, you could probably, one of the coolest things yeah, I like these about, are, this is so cool. about Japan is watching the guys on there. The scooters have them. But the bicycles have them too. Where they, they have little two-wheeled, like those old-timey, you know, remember those bikes we had as we were kids with the big banana handlebars? Mm-hmm. They don't have banana handlebars quite so dramatic as we were talking about, but the bikes are kind of that shape. Yeah. They've got the two brackets sticking out on the side and they just slide the surfboard on there and off they go riding down the street with a surfboard on the side. It's pretty cool, but you could rent a surfboard there. Um, So if you are looking for a place to go in Japan on a day trip out of Tokyo where you can surf and you don't have your own surfboard, that's a good place to go. That's a good point. That's a really good point. If you're doing that, that's a whole different reason to go to, to Enoshima. But Enoshima in itself, even if you're not a surfer, 
is just a really cool town. Something that I think is maybe still unknown. Like a few people have been out there, but it's not something you're going to see lots of foreign tourists at. For sure. Maybe a couple, but for the most part, it's going to be only Japanese tourists. So it's well worth a trip. It's well, it's well worth your time. Well, okay. So getting to those places, of course, you can definitely get organized tour that's going to take you to either Kamakura or Enoshima. I don't know about Enoshima. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure you I, can. I don't know. We'll have to look. There probably are some that combine the two and that could be a way to do both. Yeah, of them, that's true. Um, where they're going to bus you to all the different sites. So you don't have to worry about getting around yourself. I don't think you can bus to the sites in Enoshima. They're going to bus you to the bridge and you're going to walk. Yeah. Well, yeah well. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, we'll look it up for you. So our next thing is probably the closest day trip to Tokyo. This is one is easily done. And again, you can easily take a tour there. I know they have tours there because it's such a cool city is Yokohama. And Yokohama is really famous from especially World War II when all the naval ships were going out of there. It was a huge uh, World War II port. And in fact, still today, one of the sites that you can see is the Maru ship. Yeah, which is not a World War II ship, but it is their oldest Navy ship uh, they have. It's a, it's a tall ship training vessel. So usually it's moored in the Maru Park, open for touring. Uh, one of the few tall ships around the world where you can just climb on board and wander around the whole ship and check it out. Well, once you buy a ticket. With a ticket, of course. <laughs> uh, and there's kidding. also a maritime museum. Right there too. Right yeah. next to it. So it's a really good way to spend a good hour, hour and a half when you're visiting the city. Depends on how much you like history and ships. Yeah, I really like it. So, but Yokohama is right on the bay. Mm-hmm. So one of the funnest things we did was a bay cruise out of there. The bay cruises out of there are really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also like a, I don't know if it's really a secret because I'm sure millions of people do this. It's also a great place to go for fireworks um, because they almost always have fireworks during the summer if you're there over Tokyo Bay from Yokohama. So it's a good place for that. Uh, On Fridays and Saturday nights usually. One of the great places to go just for shopping and food and just for the experience is the Red Brick Warehouse, which again is an old warehouse district that they've like gentrified, I guess, and turned into a a destination area. Uh, but it's like a, one of the food halls we would have in the States. Very similar to yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Shopping for local crafts and arts and... Souvenirs. Souvenirs and food. Mm-hmm. Really cool place. And fun to walk around too. Yeah. I, I guess one of the most iconic parts of Yokohama is Chinatown. And that's probably why most people And that's why there. we used to go all the time. <laughs> Because they have great Chinese food, the Xiaolongbao mm, and yes. all the steamed dumplings. You can just buy them on the street and there you can eat them as you walk. Yeah, um, that's one of the few places yeah, where it, it, they have Japan is it. very particular about where you can eat things and, and walk. And that's one of the places you can do that. Um, but the whole Chinatown area is really vibrant, really beautiful, just very Chinatowny, just well worth it. And you'll love it. You can get everything from coffees to, like I said, dumplings everywhere, tons of good food. And plus it's just beautiful. And good shopping too, for that kind of stuff. And it's also, uh, it's not real big. So you can walk the whole area up and down the streets and have Easily some in food. an hour, yeah, hour, an hour two hours. So you can really combine a few really 
interesting things in Yokohama on a day trip, for sure. One of my favorite things to do in Yokohama is the Kirin Brewery Tour. That's a little bit further out, but yeah. The thing about the brewery tour is it's free. It's free. You do have to sign up for it ahead of time. We'll put the link on our website and in the show notes, Uh, but it's free and it includes tasting at the end. Uh, Quite a bit of tasting, more than you expect. (laughs) You would think would just be like a little cup of this and a little cup of that. It's like three or four whole beers. You pretty much get one of each of their beers Mm -hmm. that they have. Uh, And I think they do it in the cafe. So you can eat while you're doing that. You have to pay for the food though. Yeah. And the, you have a certain amount of time for the brewery tour, uh, but then they give you the tasting area. You're out of the tour area. And, yeah. And you can stay there as long you as you stay want. There. Yeah. I think they chase you out eventually. I don't eventually, remember but... how they remembered how many beers you had. I think you got like three little tickets or something yeah, like that. I'm not sure. They, it probably changes, but that's how they did it at the time. Yeah. And I will say this about the tour. It was not what I was expecting. It wasn't what I was expecting either. You don't really walk through the brewery and tour the brewery. Instead, it's more of a, like a beer brewing tour where it covers the different stages of, of beer making, uh, in these really cool, like multimedia interactive stations. Even when it's a virtual reality, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really anyway, go to the Kirin Brewery Tour. It was well worth it. Um, one of the things that we did, again, we did this sort of late while we were living there, um, was a baseball game. And you can go mm-hmm. to a baseball game in Tokyo. You can go to baseball really in any city in Japan. But we went in Yokohama. So that's where I think about it. And oh, my gosh, I, I, I'm not the biggest sports fan in general, <laughs> I would say. But I had so much fun as a cultural glimpse into the differences on how they play baseball and how we play baseball. I'm sure the, the rules are basically the same. Very similar, some changes, but very similar, but it's just the way the audience reacted and, you know, they had a little Shinkansen fast train um, animation. Anytime they hit a home run or something spectacular, it would start tooting and going around. It was just cool stuff. Singing songs. Really, 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 really fun. Yeah. The beer, the beer sellers with the keg on their back, walking up and down the stands and all the noise makers. It's just an experience. And the fireworks at the end of that one were some of the best yeah, I've ever seen. And you're sitting down, which is And you're right. Seats. You can go to a baseball game in pretty much any city. What I would say is if you are in Tokyo or Japan during their baseball season, you got to go to a a home game somewhere. And that may be the reason you go to Yokohama because maybe there's not a home game while you're in Tokyo. And so you can't go to the Tokyo game, but there is one in Yokohama. So do it. Uh, Again, you can take tours there's tours that will take you to the games, which I think is a really good way to do it because you don't have to worry about getting, getting your tickets, tickets or getting there. Um, that will all be taken care of for you. So that's really cool. At the same time, it's not hard to get tickets. Um, you can pretty much walk into any Lawson or Seven Eleven, and mm, that's a little bit harder. Do it from Let's there. Let's face it. Uh, but it's challenging because you have to use the machines or find someone to help you. Yeah, I think that's a little harder for the for the average Joe. And depending on the game, you may or may not be able to buy a ticket on the day of the game at the, at the stadium. So don't count on that for sure. Because if they're playing a rival at a home game, it's going to be sold out Mm -hmm. weeks in advance. 
Yeah. They're, they're big baseball fans, obviously. Yeah. So Yokohama, again, you could spend the entire day out there, uh, find one of the old yakitori places outside the station. Those are always a good, a good bet. Uh, whether you do that in Tokyo or at Yokohama, they're both good options. There are probably tours that will take you to the key sites oh, in Yokohama. Oh, we forgot like the best thing. The absolute main reason that you're going to go to Yokohama. Cup Noodle. Cup Noodle Museum. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we forgot that. Yeah. Cup Noodle is the museum for ramen. For the ramen cup noodles that we all have eaten. All around the world. Yeah. Since the beginning of our college days or whatever. But um, you can go there and just tour the museum and see things and look through and see how things are made. Or they have an option where you can do packaging, and that's pretty easy to sign up for. Um, You can do it probably on the day, but it's always better to sign up beforehand. Um, Basically, you're just designing packaging, and that's good for kids. But what we did with our family is we actually made the ramen noodles, and then we did the packaging ourselves. So we did the whole let's make ramen bit. But cup noodle ramen, not like, you know... Nakiryu ramen, good ramen. We're talking cup noodle ramen. <laughs> right. So, but we were there a good two and a half hours, I think. And it was, it was so fun. much fun. And they take you right through it. They give you little kerchiefs. They give you little, mm-hmm. um, that you get to keep the kerchiefs, but then you can wear an apron. It's just the whole thing is so Japanese and so fun. And you want to do this. And kids if you have it. teenage kids or if you are a kid yourself still, no matter what age you are, this is something that. I think it's one of the funnest things I've ever done in all of Japan. And Japan is fun. So I don't know. It was it's a lot of fun. A lot. And when you're done, you leave with your own cup, cup noodles noodle that you can that take you home made. and eat sometime in the future. So cool. So darn cool. I think that's the best thing. And there's also the ramen museum there in the same area mm-hmm. where you can go and try different try ramens. Try different ramens. Which is always good too. And if you like ramen, you're going to love the ramen museum. That's kind of cool. It's kitschy, but it's cool. But the last one we're going to talk about today is one of these places that, you know, is in our backyard and we didn't really get to right away. And that was Takao-san, Mount Takao. And we ended up, it was like one of the last things we did. And we both did it separately. Jim did it when we had... um Jenny come visit and I did it when we had Devin come visit. Um, and it's, it's such kind of a shame that it took us so long to get out there because I think it would have been someplace that we've would have done over and over again. Yeah. It was definitely a place you would go again, different seasons throughout the year. Yeah, for sure. Because it's going to be completely different each time. I went, well, we actually both, did we both go in fall? We did. Yeah. It was fall when I went. It was beautiful. The leaves were stunning. Okay. So what is it? Takao-san, San, of course, means mountain. Uh, so Takao Mountain is one of the large peaks surrounding Tokyo on the outskirts. Uh, pretty easy to get to, of course, but it's got a funicular and a cable car. So anytime you put a funicular anywhere, especially going up a mountain. <laughs> we put the fun in funicular. I'm let me tell there. you, we love it. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really cool experience just getting up it the mountain. It seems like you take the funicular to the cable car. Yeah, I think or so. Or vice versa. The cable car to the funicular, maybe. I don't remember off the top of my head. But you, you end up taking both to get up to the top of the mountain. And then when you're at the what you think is the top of the mountain, you're not at the top of the mountain. And you've still got paths to climb. And there's all kinds of different 
directions that you can go. But there is a big temple up there that's really fun to go visit. There's a monkey park, which Devin and I went into. Um, it was kind of interesting. I would rather see the monkeys in the wild, but at the same time, if you're only in Japan for a couple of weeks, it might be your only chance to see the Japanese macaques, and they were pretty cool. And of course, there's plenty of street food booths and right. little restaurants and cafes and sake stands, sake stands, and just just really a wonderful day to go, sort of hiking, wandering through beautiful areas and enjoying the fresh air and great views of Tokyo city because it's, it's not, of course it's not in Tokyo. This is definitely a day tour. You're going to get out of the city for this, but you're out of the city. You're in the fresh air and for the views of the city, it's off in the distance and you pretty much have all of Tokyo like spread out in the distance. So it's really cool. Uh, I really like that. Fall is a great time to go. Spring is a great time to go. Summer. It's probably really, not the best time to go. Well, it's going to be hotter. However, you're up in the mountains now. And it's and shaded. It's going to be cooler than it is down in Tokyo. This is probably That's true. That's for sure. I am um, not a big Japan summer fan. There's no, it's plenty hard. of festivals, but boy, it gets so mitsuyashui, which is um, humid, hot that I'm just not a huge fan. And of course there's waterfalls, there's different shrines you're going to walk to. There's tons of stuff to temples. do there. There's one shrine that you walk through that has all these different games that you can play, like fortune telling games and things. And it's a lot about the sort of Japanese horoscopes. Now the problem with it is, and it was fun. We had a good time. Devin and I were dropping yenis here and <laughs> yeah. there, having a good time playing all the different things. But of course, it's all in Japanese. So, you know, six one, half a dozen of the other. It's pretty much you take it, you know, as it is. It's fun to do the whatever you're doing, but you're not really going to understand the whole no. impl the implications of it because, I mean, I don't speak that kind of Japanese. And I speak Japanese better than a lot of, lot of people that you might come across as tourists since I live there, but not enough to interpret horoscopes and, and fortunes and things like that. And if it's written, you may or may not have much luck with Google Translate, but it's always worth a try. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can do that. We do have that available to us. But to sit there and Google Translate all of that every time, that gets that gets kind of tedious and old as well. But that doesn't take away from Takao-san. Takao-san is just a really nice day out. It's not a city it's it's more of a park kind of idea mm -hmm. so you're doing different things than you would like say in Kamakura and Inoshima and even though there might be a lot of people going out there for the day it's such a big area for walking around and there's so many different parts of it that you never really feel like it's crowded at least I never did so that's really good you can definitely get there by train a a train out of Tokyo to Takao Station. You could drive there if you've got your rental car. You could easily get a day tour there where they're going to take you to the station at the bottom and you, and you take the funicular up. So really easy to do. So there's so many different day trips you can take out of Tokyo. This was these just are, a smattering. Yeah, these are just kind of our favorite five. But there is an old samurai castle in Odawara where there's also a really cool... Uh, Plum Blossom Festival. There's, uh, if you want to find a really cool hot spring area, Hakone in the mountains, there's some very cool hot springs out there. There's excellent hiking and mountaineering uh, in Mount Nogokiriyama. Yeah, with the 
giant Buddhist reliefs carved into the sides of the cliff faces. And of course, a giant Buddha there too. And going over on the ferry with the sea eagles coming down to snatch everybody's potato chips. Yeah, that was a good trip. That's it was a really, a really trip. fun trip. Uh, anyway, we have lots of suggestions for you. So definitely visit our website. And that's it for today. Yeah, check in next week. See what's in store. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Streets and Eats. If you liked what you heard, please show us some love. Hit the like button and leave us a review. Maybe even subscribe so you don't miss any future podcasts. Also, we'd love it if you joined us on our Facebook private group, Streets and Eats, where we just have an ongoing conversation about all things travel. Ciao for now.